everybody, welcome back to our podcast, Night and Moon. I am Tanner Knight. Joined with me as always is my lovely and talented wife, Gabby Luna Knight. Hi. Hello. And tonight, we're going to try to do the right thing. We're not exactly sure what that is just yet, but that's what we're going to talk about is what is the right thing and what does it mean to do the right thing? Yeah, you hear that thrown out a lot. like. And in fact, I think... Both of us have heard it kind of separately in separate contexts and kind of went back to each other and was like, oh, so that's what doing the right thing is supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> and and kind of question the whole notion. And, and that's what spurned this episode is that what is the right thing to do in any given circumstance? Well, I asked Google. Well, tell us what the Google says about what doing the right thing is. Good old Uncle Google. <laughs> oh. I don't know. <laughs> told me that doing the right thing generally means making decisions that are not based on your own personal needs, that don't expand your popularity or enforce your personal beliefs. It means doing what's best for the greater or common good. So immediately, I kind of have some problems with that. It's like, automatically, there's this notion of self-sacrifice. Yes. The right thing means that you have to consider the needs of others first. And and I'm not going to say that that's a bad idea. I think considering the needs of others is a really good practice. I just don't think that the right thing and the needs of others and not yourself align 100% of the time. I think that definition is just a little too extreme. Yeah, that honestly is the same question that comes up for me. And as soon as I hear that definition, I'm like, well, who says, who decides what's the right thing for every, for the greater good? Yeah. yeah. And then that automatically means the greater good does not mean the good for all. Yeah. And most likely you Yeah, get used to not being part of the greater good. Yeah. So I I wonder if that even is, because it almost feels like doing the right thing comes from brainwashing. Yeah. Like a little bit of a religion thing, self-sacrifice. Yeah, and there's a whole lot to unpack here. And I I like that this definition gives us a lot to be contentious about right off the start. Because, I don't know, I think that looking out for the greater good of any group, no matter what it is, is, is a good idea. And if everybody has that mentality, then we'll all get along and have a better chance of not destroying one another. But where does it end? Like, we live in a, a house of two people. We're a group. Uh-huh. And then we have a community of, I don't know, 100 or so neighbors. And then we have a city and then a state, and then a country, and then a continent, and all of these groups that you have to be aware of the greater good for. And I guess it's easy to get lost in all the semantics. If you're just talking simple resources, I always come back to this, and it's my cop-out, but I think (laughs) it's like the main reason why there's so much discourse in the world is that we have way too many people in the world. So right now, you can't serve the greater good because, or like, you can't serve all. You have to choose what's for the greater good. And whether you're part of the greater good or not, it doesn't matter. Because if we're talking globally, like how do you even... Yeah, it, <laughs> it, gets, it gets hard to manage and very quickly, honestly. But I think that what we want to do is literally just talk about what we can do, right? Because at the end of the day, every person has to decide themselves what their greater good is. And and that's the only thing you can do, really. Because at the end of the day, the only decision you're making is your own, right? Yeah. So we kind of want to talk about 
times that we've seen people, you know, do, indulge, <laughs> in their- maybe indulge or maybe just you know, really tell you a compassionate story about what they feel was the greater good or something, right? Yeah. And then also talk about times that we think maybe we were doing it and maybe it wasn't for the greater good or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we can all think of experiences in our life where we made a real strong decision that we thought was really for the greater good and then give it a little time and look back on it and you're like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was probably not a good choice. I know. I feel like Whatever memory that is, is very deep down. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Get it I know. Get it out of there. <laughs> I know how this came up. It's because we talked about it in the masculinity episode. If you haven't heard it, that's the one that came out before this one. Yeah. And I think masculinity is wrapped up in doing the right thing, quote unquote. And it seems like young men these days are being fed a lot more about doing what's right for I guess themselves and their their peer group <laughs> they, they want to be alpha males yeah all together and you know I got nothing against alpha males that's fine if you really want to rise to the, the top of the crop but just understand that it rubs people the wrong way and maybe doing that you think oh well I got to climb the corporate ladder and in order to do that I have to be an asshole well, yeah, I mean, the whole connotation of being an alpha is that you, there are submissives, like yeah. subordinates of, of you, Mr. Alpha. Yeah. And so, you know, so that that doesn't have equality. And is that the greater good? <laughs> yeah. So what is the right thing there? Mm-hmm. Is the right thing for you to be a prosperous and, I don't know, maybe unscrupulous alpha male at times? Or is it truly better to just be entirely equal and just divvy up the resources equally yeah and i don't know the answer to that i'm not gonna say that i subscribe one way or the other but it's hard to to make a decision or to at least have a good discussion without like a specific topic because when it comes to doing the right thing i think a lot of people use it as either an excuse a cop-out or you know like hey this is what i was doing i don't have i had no other choice i was doing the right thing and i think i know exactly i can I'm going to I'm going to volunteer myself. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it would be controversial uh and he, here's the scenario, okay? I came back from Mexico. It was 2011 and I started working and my mom and sister were in Mexico and needed money. My sister was having surgery. My dad was in Maryland in his deathbed basically and I to this day, tell myself that I did the right thing and I chose to not go see him because I I didn't have the money to, it was either send the money to my mom and her sister or go see a dad that has never been there for me. Like, it's a no-brainer for me. I did the right thing, but I'm sure a lot of people might not think that, you know? But that that's I that's the way I feel like I've used that phrase the most. So do you feel as though it's a justification? You're just trying to justify... Your actions to yeah. yourself? Yeah, it's almost like I needed to justify it to myself and to other people who might not understand. I mean, if you when you have parents that are not always there for you, you either understand that or you don't. Mm-hmm. And people, unfortunately, are not always super understanding. So I've always just like very matter-of-factly has said, I did, I chose what I thought was the right thing. It doesn't necessarily take any blame away from you know, being a daughter that didn't go see her dad his last days or whatever. 
but you know, with being put in very difficult positions, I I could only choose one, and I chose that one. Yeah, I think that that's one of those personal choices that nobody can really critique you on, and I'm sure people would. I'm sure they do. And yeah, can I'm not saying that they can't, but I'm saying that nobody has the grounds. Like nobody has experienced your life with that in relation to that person. And therefore, they shouldn't be able to make any kind of call about your choice to do that. Yeah. And that that shit pisses me off. <laughs> oh, well, I haven't had anyone. Um, I think I've, I've literally have been a little defensive over it. So that's why this particular phrase, <laughs> I, I it has been something I've used as an excuse or cop mm, out or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Either if it's just for me to protect myself from anyone ever even giving me any criticism, but like face to face, no one, no one has ever. Yeah. Well, that's good. I, I think that it's nobody's place to criticize that kind of decision. And I have a similar experience in my life, not my father, but my grandfather, mm -hmm. he passed away and this was maybe 2015 or 16. I can't remember exactly, but he was, he was not the best grandfather. And I don't mean to talk shit on my family because, you know, people love my grandfather and he was maybe better father than a grandfather, but either way, he was not the most loving person. And I also did not go to his funeral and yeah. it wasn't like a huge bone of contention amongst my family. I, I think they got it. If not, well, here's, here's my side of the story. It's, it's not that I, did not appreciate everything he did for our, our family. But to me personally, he just had no amount of closeness and there was no room for me in his life. So it was hard for me to make room in mine for his at that time. And I kind of made peace with him before he died because his situation was a slow burn. So I feel like I got to say what I needed to say to him. And, and that was that. And I understand where you're coming from. The self-criticism It's like, well, shit, was that the right choice? Did I yeah. did I do the right thing there? And and I've often questioned that as well myself. It's it was the right choice for me at the time and there's really no point in second guessing it. I agree with you and for for what it sounds like it's kind of like the same thing both of these men were never really they never really tried to be part of our lives. Never. It yeah. seems like it for yeah. you and for me my dad was not, you know, a champion dad. <laughs> He was just, you know, him. And I guess in a way, us not showing up for them at their end, it's almost like, one, a reflection of our relationship throughout our lives. And two, truly saying that we were deeply hurt by them not wanting to be part of ours. Yeah, I, you know? yeah, I agree with that. Because it's very painful. Like, if you think that I didn't miss my dad, you don't understand that I've missed him every day of my life. Like. Yeah. He, and you too, like you've told me that you've missed your grandpa because he never even gave you guys a chance to you or I don't know about any of the other grandchildren. Yeah, he was he was not interested in being a, a loving grandfather and he was never like abusive by any means. So I can say that it wasn't a bad relationship. It was just a non-existent relationship. Whereas his wife, my grandmother, was very loving. And I think sometimes that can even be harder when you have like, especially when you have like a set of grandparents when one's super loving and the other one isn't it's almost like wow <laughs> yeah yeah or sometimes like your grandmother probably knew <laughs> who she married you know and she was like i'm gonna overcompensate <laughs> for everyone yeah she's like oh my husband's pretty cold uh, yeah i'm gonna have to 
be the loving one, yeah. the warm. Mm-hmm. So did we do the right thing? I, I think, think at so. the time how we felt and that was our choice. And <laughs> who who gets to say? Who gets to decide whether we did the right thing or not? That's the right answer. And we don't know. We do. We get to decide. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I feel like I did do the right thing. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I might not be defensive about it. Maybe, <laughs> I, maybe I'm not anymore. Now that I'm putting it out there, I feel like it feels better to talk about it. Let it go. <laughs> Told you we'd get it Let it out. Let it go. I know. Well, I think that there are far more, I don't want to call them comical, but certainly lighter uses of it. (laughs) And so the very first time we, this came on our radar was a Vice video. And this is another video that we talked about in the previous masculinity episode. So we'll relink that video to you. But this video, so if you haven't seen them, Vice does a series of YouTube, and they might be other other places, but they're on YouTube, a series of videos where they basically have a moderator who's supposed to be a, an impartial voice, and then they bring a group of people in to talk about contentious points. And this particular one was a group of men from all different backgrounds talking about what masculinity is. And one of the participants who we'll just refer to as a good Christian man, would be how we would describe this man. <laughs> he uh, he described what doing the right thing is, because it did come up in this episode. He's like, well, being a man is doing the right thing. I'm like, well, what is the right thing? And his answer, you probably wouldn't be too surprised about. He said, well, I wake up and go to my job and my work and earn a living for my wife and kids, um, which I've been, you know, tasked with doing the right thing and having a family. So this is the right way for me to provide for them and be a functioning member of society. And like immediately I took offense at that. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll, I'll get into why in a second, but just the notion that Doing the right thing consists of basically conforming to the fallacy or what I perceive to be the fallacy of the American dream is basically what he described. I, I think the American dream has been dead for quite a few years and there are people who still cling on to it and hang on to it. And that's that's great. I, I don't blame anybody for it. It's certainly a great marketing strategy. But at the end of the day... To me, the American dream is materialism and participating in the economy of materialism. And yeah, we have a lot of things here. We like things. Things are fine. But I think that the American dream almost demands of you that you're a slave to your things, that you're in debt to your things, and that your things have more value or at least provide value to you as a person and like in your standing amongst your other fellow humans. Yeah. And also that you continue to want more. And there's more to be had and you're capable of getting more and that's the right thing to do. And I don't I don't agree that more is the answer. And in fact, I usually try to think that less is the answer. Let's let's figure out how we can accomplish this goal by doing less. I don't think that a lot of people think of that as the right thing, doing less. They think of doing more as the right thing and that colors all of their actions including this good Christian man. Yeah, it's a lot because he basically is just 
telling us that it's self-sacrifice. It's almost like what the previous generation had to deal with when they were told it's time to settle down and yeah. do the right thing. Yeah. How many yeah. of our boomer age parents had parents who told them it's time to do the right thing, settle down and have a family. And maybe back then it meant more and it it really was something because I don't understand. I wasn't there, but I can see how a country who is so full of resources wants their people to settle down, do the right thing and have more workers, you know, like, so yeah. it made sense like, hey, this is our economy. This is for the greater good, you know, like the greater good of the US only, of course, but like that was the whole slogan to get you know, our parents or even older generations to settle down and do the right thing and be a parent. And our parents were fucking crazy. They were the hippie generation. Yeah. My dad personally <laughs> told me that he had overdosed on acid several times. He told you that? Well, my brother through and then obviously through me, but my brother uh -huh. needed the message more than I did. I see. And <laughs> I got it by proxy. But either way, like these were our parents. They were not the Protestant hard hardworking people as youths that they ended up be becoming and Did your mom almost overdose i need to know <laughs> i don't think my mom has ever done drugs yeah so we'll have to we'll have to like probe her if she's listening alice it's get coming her information but <laughs> i think she'd probably say no even if she had dang it <laughs> but my dad was there was no hiding who he was and he had obviously grown up by the time he had kids but either way he was a hippie in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s. And those people were, they were pure, just unbridled rebellion. And yeah. that yeah. rebellion transformed into the most corporate materialistic generation that ever was. And and lots of slogans like this one that, that <laughs> really slogans, brainwash yeah. you. Like, like this one, like doing the right thing, it sets up a whole culture. Yeah, and it, it kind of enforces its own lack of questioning like if you're doing the right thing you don't need to question it mm -hmm. because you're doing the right thing yeah so why question whether it's what the right thing is as long as we all know wink what the right <laughs> thing is and it obviously has changed over the centuries and generations doing the right thing doing the right thing means different things to different people and the outcome of doing the right thing <laughs> might have different levels of consequences deep down a group of people just wants to be told what to believe and what to do and you know everybody talks about the exceptionalism of the individual in the united states but there's more herd mentality in various groups in the united states than in a lot of places and mm -hmm. it's a lot of due to the control of the media there's been messaging that's been propagated through various methods for now years. And social media nowadays. And social media has just thrown gasoline on the fire. And it's just like it the best way to get people brainwashed. And you don't even need slogans anymore. Like those slogans were for the past. And now you just get little videos and over and over again, just the same video. Recycle it over and over again. Yeah. Same same things another time i've heard people i feel like in the 90s there was a lot of people divorcing right mm -hmm. and a lot of people were divorcing once their children were grown up 
And they would say, well, I did the right thing. I stayed together with your mother and now we're done. Like they're like, it's almost like an amicable divorce. It was just like, they're done. They, they are done doing the right thing. And yeah. What do you think? Because <laughs> that one. So there's, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting topic unto itself. The whole doing the right thing for the children. And mm-hmm. I've seen, I grew up in a place where there were not a lot of rich people. These were these were pretty much poor white folks. So divorce was not uncommon. And, you know, I saw a lot of my friend's parents get divorced right around the time they got 16, 17 years old, just like you'd said, where I guess they stayed together for the kids and they got to a point where it was just like, all right, you're old enough to know shit's hit the fan. We're done here. Let's call it what it is. And what it, like what kind of response did your friends have? They're still children. It's like even though your kids are surly teens and they think they know everything, it doesn't mean they're prepared to hear, "Oh, my mom and dad don't like each other. They don't even love each other. They want to kill each other." <laughs> so Yeah, the, like you lied to them. You It is a, it's a lie and a betrayal and I think that most parents don't really I don't know, they don't give that the, as much weight as they might should (laughs) yeah you know what that's actually something i'm just realizing now because i i i didn't grow up with like a a, traditional traditional mom and dad together every single time even though they referred to each other as their only well my mom referred to my dad as his one and only i don't know what my dad was doing (laughs) (laughs) so i but imagine just growing up seeing your parents well you you had two parents that were in love Imagine just like one day they're like, you know what? We were just pretending this whole time. Like your idea of love is completely shattered. Yeah. (laughs) How devastating. And I think basing, kids don't really have a choice. I mean, you got to base your idea of love on something and your parents are pretty much the one consistent model. So if that model's broken, then it's really hard for a kid to understand what love is in a real healthy and positive way and and then do the right thing based on that because if you're raised in a situation where love represents you know heartbreak and leaving and yelling and fighting then chances are that's what your relationships are going to look like yeah unless you're you try to run away from that (laughs) yeah or or the exact opposite you Mm -hmm. you just do the exact opposite in response which i think is also an equally extreme way to handle it i think that my personal problem with interpersonal relationships is just not saying no to people and you know people ask you for your time and you say yes because it's the right thing to do and i'm i'm terrible at this i i know that i and i try to guard my time as a result because i know i'm bad at this but if people have a genuine need and i'm available then I'll I'll typically want to help them and consider that to be the right thing to do even if they're a shitty friend or you know something else but I think that uh, that's something that I'm guilty of and it comes down to me being a Leo yeah and loyal to a fault having that problem but it's the right thing to do to me to give my time freely and I know that (laughs) it's a complete conflict of interest with what I really want to do which is devote all of my time to the pursuits that I really find interesting and, and 
useful. I don't know, maybe that sounds like an asshole that I don't want to, that I find giving my time to be too much to ask. It's like, it becomes the wrong thing if you say yes too much. I totally agree. And the time you give is not as quality. Like you're not even yeah. giving, when you're not truly giving from the heart, like you're just doing it because they asked and you feel like I'm going to be a jerk because if I say no or something, then I think that you show up really not wanting to be there sometimes. And I'm not saying you do that, but I feel like personally I've done that, mm -hmm. especially when I was single. Like I was just like, oh yeah, you need something? Here I go. But once I met you, I really felt like I was able to prioritize, oh, I kind of want to get to know, I want to pursue this relationship, you know, and stuff like that. So I would weed out certain things that would drain me more here or there. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the right thing to do because... For me, because... You only have so much energy. Yeah. And I feel like I easily, I drain easier. You have a lot more energy and you're able to keep up, but I know you get tired too. So especially... Like lately, I know that the beginning of the year gets kind of crazy at work, so that already drains you. <laughs> well, and this ties it back to why I, I said about the masculinity thing, why it kind of hits home for me, because I do wake up and go to a job that is not my absolute preference. It's, uh, it's a job, and mm -hmm. it's very taxing mentally, and it takes way too much time of my life personally. So I I find adhering to the American dream to be kind of a, a shallow deal. Yeah. And I don't really know another way to do it yet. It's hard to live in the United States without buying into the American dream on some level, if, if not just home ownership, which is increasingly harder to do. It's really difficult. Like, it has to be that that you don't have any debts. You don't go spending more than what you have because if, but even then, if you are just modest and you have a small home and a small car, it's still hard. Still a lot. And don't even think about adding kids to that. Because well, yeah, <laughs> then the pressure, <laughs> then you really have to do the right thing because. Well, and that opens up a whole other can of worms. What is the right thing when you have children? No, I, and I can't I, even begin to we, answer that. We will not. <laughs> begin to answer that but i do suggest that someone out there with children just ask yourself what is yeah. the right thing and, and think about it don't just say oh the right thing is to do whatever my child needs well what's whatever is the right thing you know not really having all that much money but putting them or like giving them all of the extravagant things in the world is That's, that the right thing i don't think so personally but again here we are childless yeah <laughs> yeah childless because these questions they're even difficult for us as adults to answer so you to be a parent obviously we think that you gotta it's really difficult it's, yeah, it's good for difficult. you if you're doing it we chose to opt out because we understand how hard it is and there are people out there that, that do a better job well and i guess that comes to the core of it to us that's why we are here today it's because we believe this to be the right thing and, <laughs> and it's not the core of our beliefs obviously but It drives a lot of what we do. And do not have kids is one of my very core beliefs. Okay, well, yeah. Core to Gabby, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm the one having them if, if, if we were to choose to. So oh, I think. I'm the one who had the vasectomy to yeah. make sure it doesn't happen. Yes, so thank you, baby. We're both in on yeah, it. Yeah, we both came. Yeah. But either way, I think that in our view, we'll just go ahead and state it. I think that adding. I just want to point out, though, 
that having a vasectomy or having a kid are not very are not comparable. <laughs> you cannot say that. I cannot let that slide. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> we just don't believe in adding to the population and decreasing the amount of resources that already are slim to none here. And a lot of what we perceive as problems with the world has to do with overpopulation. And I'm not saying don't have a child. I think that no. is an extreme yeah. that has been proven to be bad in Japan and yeah. elsewhere. You can see that the, that doesn't go well either. People got to procreate. It's yeah. got to happen. But you don't need to have 11 children. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, that's a lot of people. I, I don't want to go into numbers either because that's like... <laughs> no, you can... You're going to get hate one way or the other. What what I think it's like, if you came from a loving family and you feel like you can provide that to somebody else, I think that you should go ahead and have kids. Yeah. But if you didn't come from a loving family and you feel like you still need to work on... And like, even if you if you still need to, you need to work on yourself, even if you did come from a loving family, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like you, you don't have to come from a loving family <laughs> to have kids or to not have them. But I'm just saying, if you feel like you need to work on yourself... Try doing that before you even consider having kids because it'll get harder, I imagine, to try and do that and not pass it on to your kid. I mean, you just, I feel like our brains and our souls are like this gem that we never give ourselves the opportunity to polish it throughout our lives. And we came here to do it. And so I don't mean that you have to have a super polished gem, but some of us, myself, I feel like I lived a hard childhood and I need my life for me to polish my gem. And so that's my point of view. If if you are to the point where you understand that and and you want to just, you know, work on yourself, then I think those people should do that. And the people that can see, you know, their gem already because their childhood was so beautiful or just whatever reason, then those people are the best people to be parents because they will procreate and create loving children and hopefully change the world. I guess that's all you can hope for. That's my hope. It's it's harder and harder to find. We recently saw this daily show clip by Chelsea Handler, who... Oh, so good. I'll be honest. I'm not terribly crazy about Chelsea Handler. I've seen her show a couple times, and it's always been like a little cringy, a little self-righteous, but... A little raunchy. Yeah, a little raunchy as well. She's not afraid to go there, I guess. Yeah. But she was the daily show host for, I think, the week. And she had a segment just about how, why she is childless. And I highly suggest that you check it out. We'll link the, the clip yeah. on YouTube. And uh, I think it's like five minutes long. But for the consciously childless, it's it's like a little manifesto that is is worth checking out. And I think childful people should really watch it as well to get a perspective of as to why some people choose to be childless. It's not because we hate children or don't want people to procreate. That's not it at all. It's just that it's not the right fit for our life and lifestyle. It doesn't mean that we're just going around and like in Chelsea's little skit. We don't, <laughs> I'm not uh, skiing topless. <laughs> <laughs> Or getting drunk all the time, you know, like I don't have a 20 something year old lifestyle. We don't, we, we can't do that. No. You and I 
don't have that kind of <laughs> stamina. And it's a little, un actually, it's a little unfair to portray people like, like us, like as party animals, because we <laughs> yeah. definitely are not like that. We're responsible people. And there's more people like us who want to have kids who just can't afford them. Yeah. And if we both wanted to have kids, we might still choose not to have them because we might not be able to afford them. Like what, it, even if we both wanted them, the fact of the money might be a bigger issue, you know? Yeah, just the cost of everything mm -hmm. has gone up in the last five years. And it seems like anything having to do with kids, they're like, oh, those people got money. Cha-ching, <laughs> let's cash in. Yeah. And parents keep footing the bill for these very expensive things. And I don't know, I think a recession might change that, but... It's, here in Utah, it's really child oriented absolutely and so it's really like we get to see it secondhand we're we're here you know this is a child city <laughs> child league city <laughs> i don't know ew gross <laughs> but it is it's like and you see it it's like these parents are working so hard to provide all these things for all of their kids and how many do they have four or more right yeah. they have so many kids here i i don't understand how parents can afford like putting multiple ch children through sports yeah, and through like school. school and like all the clothing they have to like, it seems like they always have new clothing. I don't, I don't understand it. it yeah. I would be doing the right thing. <laughs> I think. And maybe that's not such a, I don't know. Yeah. Our version of the right thing in that scenario would probably be to deprive the kid <laughs> you don't get to do this you don't get the jordan sorry oh yeah no way uh, <laughs> it's, well it's hard luckily I, we'll never find out yeah i think you know i have to commend one of my friends uh she's also my hairdresser julie she is a fine mom like she's she tells me about her girls and stuff and how they've grown and she just seems to always lead with honesty when she's trying to teach her girls whatever i get to hear about it how she talks and she she's not afraid to lead with honesty and i think that that's a good parent like as long yeah. as you're honest with your kids i think that they appreciate that as as a As a child of a person myself, I always <laughs> appreciate honesty. Yeah. It's really easy to lie to your kids because kids are dumb. I mean, they'll believe anything. And, and you know, sometimes you have to because, like, kids yeah, are yeah. also dumb and they don't understand the situations of yeah. life. We were all kids and dumb. Can you mm. guys hear the dog snoring in the background? <laughs> <laughs> so I think the right thing in this case is to truly declare that we probably don't even know what the hell the right thing is. We don't. And, we just know what the right thing is for us, I think. <laughs> and even then, it's like, you're throwing darts. Yeah. I There are plenty of times in my everyday where I'm like, oh, that was not the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I merged into that lane. That was not the yeah. right thing to do. Oops, I turned too quickly. That was not the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and... Ultimately, if you can stay alive through doing the wrong thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> hopefully you can stay alive through doing the right thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I guess life is just a series of right and wrong things and until it's game over. <laughs> well, and I think everything is the right thing if you can laugh at it mm -hmm. in hindsight. Yes. As long as you can laugh at your own dumbass, then you've done the right thing. All right, let's do the right thing and cap it at that. So if you have any instances where you have done the right thing or the wrong thing, let us know. We'll have a follow-up episode where we talk about these things. And and we'll judge whether they were the right thing <laughs> or the wrong. We will judge. <laughs> no, we won't. Maybe.
but we'll talk about it. Yeah, either way, <laughs> let's keep the conversation going. We'll have a bunch of links in the show notes as well, so feel free to check us out there in our social media. So you can find us easier. Daily musings, you name it. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.